0: What's going on, listeners? I'm calling this the Recap with Rob segment. This is a part of the Popcorn and Pop Culture podcast that I have with my good buddy, Michael Sheehan, but he's not going to be joining me today, so this is just me, Robert Eng. This is the Recap with Rob, where I'm going to be breaking down some current events in the entertainment world, and also I'm going to be recapping some of the things that I've been watching, some things that I've been listening to, some things that I've been reading, Okay. Let's get on with it. Something that I've recently watched and that just dropped has been the Pitch Perfect 3 trailer. Check it out. I would do anything to sing with you guys again. I figure the USO puts on this performance to support the troops in Europe. One last show together. Who's with me? Hell yeah! Yeah. Welcome to Spain, fellas! So this is the first base. Will we be going to second base with you guys? That's a no for me, so... All right, so The Bellas are back. Pitch Perfect 3. Not gonna lie, this has been in the works for a while. And when I read up about it, that it's going to be released in December. I kind of had the idea that maybe this would be some type of a Christmas-themed film. I am wrong. But The Bellas, I think the premise... For this movie, has been the Bellas are disbanded, but they're trying to get back together for one more performance. They're going to do this to support the troops overseas on a USO tour, but they're facing some competitiveness, uh, so, some 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 lashback at other artists and other bands that are performing on this tour, and hit. this is the big this is the big 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 thing they have to overcome. These groups are using instruments and their voices. OMG, seriously. And I was kind of thinking because the first Pitch Perfect film, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen these films, but the first uh, the first movie, Pitch Perfect, they kind of had to overcome doing the, the old dry things again and again, and then Becca came along and was like, guess what? We could do some mashups. Not like mashups have been just created for the Pitch Perfect movies, but... They mashed it up, they broke it down, they gave a great final performance, they won the competition. Hooray. Second movie comes along. They can't do mashups any longer. Everyone's doing mashups now. That's the it thing to do in acapella world. So what do they do? Well, they introduce Haley Steinfeld to the cast, and her character brings in some originality. What? An acapella group singing an original song? This is unheard of. And it won them the competition yet again i don't know if there's going to be a competition for this third film but it seems like they are they have their backs against the walls again they don't know what to do because these other performers are using instruments along with their voices so what's the big deal what's the big deal right well it's a big deal because these films are ginormous the first film was kind of you know an underground success it was a cult classic so to be it didn't make that much money but once it came out on streaming services and dvd everyone watched it everyone watched it again and again on HBO. everyone loved it everyone talked about it when pitch perfect two came out it made a ton of money i can't imagine pitch perfect three not making a lot of money but we'll see i'm just a little bit i'm, I'm excited for the film for two reasons one they're fun these are kind of guilty pleasure movies. These are very attractive women singing and acting and just being funny. You, have, uh, you also have Rebel Wilson. I think that's her name, yes. And she is hilarious. I love her in almost everything. And she's Fat Amy and the film always provides the most comedy. But at the same time, I really want to see Pitch Perfect, this franchise, end. Because it's, the, the films aren't good. The films are not good. I had a blog post that I wrote years ago on my Entertainment Blur blog saying how Pitch Perfect is absolutely a terrible movie that people love. And I'm a little bit guilty of it. I've watched Pitch Perfect probably upwards to 10 to 15 times because it's just very, very enjoyable. And it does tug in your heartstrings. And the music, you know, after it being mixed and auto-tuned and everything, the music is actually pretty fun to listen to. But I'm over it now. I'm over this phenomenon. Pitch Perfect 3 hopefully is the last one. But again, I'll see it and I'll give my a review when I do so. Next on my list of recaps is that this is us. Season 2 premiere. This is... I'm recording this on a Wednesday. So it was just last night when it premiered. Season 2. This Is Us was a huge, huge show for NBC. Even though it didn't win Best Drama at the Emmys, it is still one of the most watched family dramas ever, probably. It's definitely the most watched family drama right now. It is a very, very interesting show with great performances, good writing, and it it tugs at your heartstrings. This is a manipulative show that just basically wants to make you cry. And I'm okay with that. And this is a show that I really enjoy watching with my wife because she loves the show too. It's a, it's a family drama that doesn't usually get too much attention on television programs. Especially in the world of prestige TV right now. There's a lot more interesting... Plot lines out there than a family drama. But This Is Us does things progressively and it does things and tells stories well enough that, you know, it it really attracted a lot of viewers. So, season two premiered. The big mystery is still going to be how did Jack Pearson die? We don't know. We're getting hints slightly here and there. And towards the end of this episode, again, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the episode, but I'm just going to talk about it real briefly. We get to see the moments when the children find out that Jack, their father, has died. Very, very tragic, of course. They're staying with Miguel. Damn that Miguel, of course. And we see Rebecca drive by their old house, and it is burnt to the ashes. It is. It was engulfed by some humongous flame, and there's... Almost nothing left of the house. So what does that mean? The biggest theory out there is that Jack died in a plane crash. Some people speculated 9-11, but based on the timelines, it doesn't really fit in. Because it seems like Jack Pearson has died in the 90s. So of course, that doesn't really fit in with 9-11. But there have been some other speculations, some theories that there was a plane crash that was... I don't know if it was departing from Pittsburgh or going back to Pittsburgh that crashed in the 90s. So maybe Jack was on that. We we know that some of the characters uh, and his children are afraid of flying because of maybe what happened with their dad. But then this whole fire has kind of thrown a wrinkle into that. I don't know what that has to do with anything. These writers and these creators are obviously giving us... Little bits of information. We're going to have to jigsaw puzzle this together eventually before they finally reveal to us what happened to Jack. But that being said, that being pushed aside, I really enjoyed the storyline between Randall and Beth with their discussion that they want to adopt a child. Randall, of course, was adopted by his parents, Jack and Rebecca, and they did him wonders and he respects them and he loves them so much. He's trying to um persuade Beth to adopt a child. Number 1, he wants a boy. And number 2, he wants that boy to have the same opportunities and to change that boy's life like like Jack and and uh, Rebecca changed his life. The intentions are well, but Beth is just certainly not on board and they have some really really good dialogue and really, really heartfelt type of conversations about what they need, what they want, what is a stretch, what is realistic, and what they really, truly want to accomplish with this adoption. Really, really good and touching stuff. Also, this episode chronicles the birthdays of the, the, the triplets, even though they're not really triplets, they were all born the same day, so that kind of makes them triplets. We get some more Kate stuff, and Kate and Kevin being way too close, and Toby kind of being pushed aside, even though he's a fiancé of Kate. That stuff is a little silly. I didn't need that stuff. It was okay. Um, There was an important scene, though, I thought, when Kate finally auditioned um, to sing for this role or whatever, that she didn't get it. And she stood up for herself, good for her, by saying, hey, you know, I can't wear a size 2. You shouldn't just give this role away because of that, but the um, the casting director was simply like, "Listen, you're, you're I don't care what size dress you wear, you're just not good enough," and like you can see that and consider that as heartbreaking. But Kate was simply was like, "Wow, okay, this is good. I'm not being judged. I wasn't being judged by my." Wait, I wasn't being judged by how I look. I was being judged because I just simply wasn't good enough. My voice wasn't good enough, and I can work on that. So that was kind of cool. I like that. I like that little uh, aspect to the show. Anyway, thumbs up to the premiere, the season two premiere of This Is Us. I thought it was solid. I thought that they're staying true to how season one was, which is good because season one was an absolute success. So I look forward to the rest of this season to see how this goes. Next on my agenda was The Good Place season two finale, not finale, premiere. Uh, I loved season one so much. And see, okay, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen The Good Place, simply just stop this podcast if you're listening to it right now and just watch it. I cannot recommend this show enough. It is a comedy, but it's a... It's a serialized comedy that you have to watch every episode. There's going to be a million cliffhangers like there was on other sh- like there are on other shows, more specifically dramas. This show is just so good. You have to watch this show. And now I'm going to spoiler every spoiler. I'm going to spoil everything about it. So we are left off with this huge finale that the good place is actually not the good place. It's the bad place. And we Start season two with their memories erased and what Michael is trying to construct as the architect of the bad place, trying to really torture these four individuals and having fun with it instead of just like, you know, ripping their arms off day after day. Uh, it's they've put Michael Scherer and company and the writers, they've put themselves in such a bind because. Their finale paid off so well because no one was expecting a twist. No one is, was expecting this to happen. Now we're expecting it. Now I'm carefully looking for signs. I'm carefully looking for how they're going to fool us again. Maybe the trick for this season is that they're not going to trick us anymore. That would be really cool. But to my to my credit, not credit, but like I expected them to go a different direction in season 2 because you kind of have to. Kristen Bell is still a major character, but I think that Michael, played by Ted Danson, is going to be the central character for season two because it's more of his story now. He's trying to prove to his superiors of the of the bad place that he can make this work. Because this is his unique idea. He wants to revolutionize the way they torture you know, individuals that go to the bad place. And he wants to have fun with it. There are just so many wild cards here. Especially the character um, that wants to have a bigger role. And she was the real Eleanor last season. And now she's just this, you know, pizza girl with everything. And she is hilarious because she's like, you're not using me well enough. I can be such a big part. I, I, I feel like I've been demoted. And so she's definitely going to be a wild card throughout because she's going to try to over, you know, play her, her hand. That being said, cheaty, you know, is still hilarious. Uh, Jianyu, or Jason, whatever you want to call it, is still a great character. Uh, Tahani, they're, they're all also great characters, but what we learned from the season 2 premiere, which is two episodes back-to-back, is that we're going. We, I don't know how, how many times he's going to be pre- pressing the reset button, and how willing I'm going to be as a viewer to accept... That at any moment Michael could press this reset button and we're going to have to go through this whole thing again. It's kind of like the Edge of Tomorrow or Groundhog Day, you know. And I, I, I like those concepts. But for this show, I want I want to see it fleshed out. I want to see it fleshed out, especially a lot more than just two episodes. He already pressed the reset button. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. It's still a hilarious show. I So many great one-liners from it. I can't wait to see how this season goes. And finally, on my list with this recap with Rob, which is me, I'm going to talk about The Handmaid's Tale because that just won the Emmys for Best Drama. It is a Hulu original series. And uh, I, I'm not going to be the best person to talk about it because I haven't seen the show, but I desperately want to watch it now. Uh, I've heard of this show because of some podcasts that I listen to, but I will be honest, if I didn't listen to those podcasts... And me not being a subscriber of Hulu, a Hulu service, I would not have known that The Handmaid's Tale even existed. Which is so intriguing because I feel like the Emmys more times than not, they choose the show that is popular or that is the it show or that is gaining so much momentum or that everyone can't stop talking about. The Handmaid's Tale was not that. This Is Us was a show from season one that everyone was talking about and everyone couldn't wait for it to return. And it was a network television show that was nominated for Best Drama, the first in a long time. It would have been the first, I believe, since 24-1 if it did win Best Drama, which is a long time ago. So I really thought This Is Us had a great chance to win. I also thought that Stranger Things had a great chance to win because this show was, the first season was released so long ago and yet this show has kept up such great momentum It's a show that is basically liked by everyone. It might not, it might not be the greatest show uh, or the best quality of show, but it is a show that seemingly everyone has seen and everyone likes and everyone is really looking forward to the second season. So those are just kind of like check boxes that I felt that really the Emmy voters go for. The Handmaid's Tale is a show on Hulu adapted from a Margaret Atwood novel that again not too many people even know about it i can out of everyone that i know i only know one person i can only name one person that has a hulu subscription so that in itself is bizarre like have people have all the voters that voted for handmaid's tale to win have they even seen the show have they watched the show uh do they love it this much for it to win maybe Again, I haven't seen the show, so I'm not going to talk about the quality of the show or the performances or the writing, but it is surprising that this show has won. Again, it's also noteworthy to say that Hulu, this is a Hulu show, and Netflix has been trying so, so long to win Best Drama. It's, it, it does well in a lot of categories, it has dozens, maybe hundreds of uh, nominations. But it's been trying to break through in that best drama race. It's, it's had on just the New Black um, before it went over to comedy. Or, again, I don't even know what category it you know, is in now. It's had House of Cards. You know. It, it's, it's had big shows like that. And, they, and, and for everyone that has Netflix, which I'm pretty sure is everyone in the world, you, you know they, they make shows like it's nothing. You know, they have. I feel like they have a new original series every single week for all for every single week of the year so many new shows and a lot of them are great I mean they just won for Black Mirror uh San Junipero for a TV movie but again the big big award of the night usually goes to the best drama and as long as Netflix has been trying to win that and even Amazon Prime has its hand in trying to win best drama the first streaming service to win this award is Hulu for Handmaid's Tale and that's kind of huge and hilarious because again I, I don't know much about Hulu, I don't know how many original series or original content they have on Hulu but it's it's big that they just stood out out of everyone else and took this award so good for them, good for Hulu, good for Handmaid's Tale, not so good for Netflix and Amazon Prime maybe. And not so good for everyone else when Game of Thrones is eligible to be nominated for Best Drama next year. So, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, that was the recap with Rob. Thank you for tuning in. Please check back next time. Maybe I'll do this every week. Maybe I'll do this every two weeks. Hopefully, Mike and I can get together again and do some more podcast episodes. But this is just my way of recapping what I've been thinking and what I've been watching for the past so long, so thank you, and peace!